0: The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech podcast feed. You know, man, it could be worse. A woman could cut off your penis while you're sleeping and toss it out the window of a moving car. There's always that. I don't know, it's just when you buy furniture and tell yourself... That's it, that's the last sofa I'm gonna need. Whatever else happens, got that sofa problem handled. I had it all. I had a stereo that was very decent. A wardrobe that was getting very respectable. It was close to being complete. Shit, man, now it's all gone. All gone. All gone. Do you know what a duvet is? Comfort. It's a blanket. Just a blanket. Why do guys like you and I know what a today is? Is this essential to our survival in the hunter-gatherer sense of the word? No. What are we then? Uh, yeah. Consumers. Right. We are consumers. We are byproducts of a lifestyle obsession. Murder, crime, poverty—these things don't concern me. What concerns me are celebrity magazines, television, with. 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear. Rogaine, Viagra, Olestra. Martha Stewart. Fuck Martha Stewart. Martha's polishing the brass on the Titanic. It's all going down, man. So fuck off with your sofa units and string green stripe patterns. I say never be complete. I say stop being perfect. I say let's evolve. Let the chips fall where they may. That's me. I could be wrong. Maybe it's a terrible tragedy. Uh, it's just, it's just stuff. It's not like a tragedy. Well, you did lose a lot of versatile solutions for modern living. Fuck, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I don't smoke. Oh, my, my insurance is probably gonna cover it. So, Fuck. what? The things you own end up owning you. Do what you like, man.
1: From days of long ago, from uncharted
0: regions of the universe, comes a legend. The Legend of Sovereign Tech. Podcast of the universe. A mighty tech show, loved by anarchists, feared by authoritarians.
1: As Sovereign Tech's legend grew, peace settled across the galaxy. On planet Earth, a union of egoists was formed. Together with the open-source, retro-gaming, and liberty-loving communities, they maintained peace throughout the universe. Until a new horrible menace threatened the galaxy. Sovereign Tech was needed once more. This is the podcast of Superhost Dr. Brian Sovereign. specially trained and sent out into the galaxy to
0: bring back Sovereign Tech, podcast of the universe.
1: So it begs the question, when Britney Spears is singing uh, in Work Bitch, that I make it bubble up, call me the bubbler. What the fuck is the bubbler? Like what's a bubbler? I'm baffled here. I, I don't get it. Oh, well, (laughs) it's the golden stallion, the man of tomorrow, the bubbler. No, (laughs) Uh, I mean, you think about these things sometimes, right? Uh, Like, like suddenly it'll strike you this part of a song that that's a bit of an earworm. You're not sure what the fuck the lyrics are. Okay. Okay which is incredibly common in music today. In fact, does music today even really have lyrics? I guess it probably doesn't have meaning, which I'm... Well, that was ultimately Mrs. Sovereign's response to my question of what the fuck the bubbler is. <laughs> it was just the music, uh, you know, just the the, the the songwriter going for a certain sound or alteration. But uh, anyway, <laughs> really, the, I mean, like I can't even... I don't know. Maybe there's like a chorus that has at best four to six words in music today. Then beyond in pop music anyway, uh, beyond that, I have no idea what, what the fuck is, is, is being said anyway, Dr. Brian sovereign here with you for your latest episode of sovereign tech. And you know, while we're talking about pop stars that say the damnedest things, um, how about, wait, what is this? Ye buys parlor wait a minute did did you put this in who put this story in who the fuck is ye oh it's Kanye oh all right well so anyway Kanye West rap star uh is an ex-husband to uh, uh Kim kiss My or Kardashian um is now is purchasing. The, uh, uh the, 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 conservative, the right-wing social media platform parlor have, um, I mean, I mean, ha- <laughs> we're in the foreplay here and well, I don't even want to know about, about yee's foreplay. Um, oh boy, <laughs> what, what the fuck is going on? Like what is, <laughs> do, do, Where's the, maybe I should look it up. Where, where's the, where's the right-wing outrage? Where's the conservative outrage that a guy like Kanye is, is going to own your social network. Like, I mean, have you listened to his music at all? Uh, you know, not necessarily, uh, uh, uh um, by choice, but I certainly have none of that Shit sounds very, I mean, listening, lyrical content, none of that really sounds much to me like Christian or conservative values whatsoever. Of course, I know he got in trouble recently because, and, and rightfully so, getting, you know, getting a little shitstorm on him. Why? Because he's saying derogatory, well, I mean, he's being anti Semitic straight up. He's saying derogatory shit towards Jews, arguably towards other black people. Um, is that, is that why it's acceptable for conservatives and right-wingers? Because I mean, wait, 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 If he's talking shit about Jews, how does that fit in with, uh, um, with, with Ben Shapiro? Don't you, don't you all worship him? He's a Jew like myself. I, I'm confused. Does anybody have any standards anymore on either side? Doesn't look like it. Oh well, have fun on Parlor. That uh, that there's your there's your savior, right? Oh yeah, parlor Well, this is this is going to be social media done right, about, owned by Kanye West, a walking train wreck, if he even ever walks. He's not if he's in the metaverse, because oh no, wait, they do have legs now. They do have legs, but that whole jumping up and down thing as insensitive as that fucking shit was. Was staged. It wasn't even like enacted by the code itself of the platform. Oh, what the fuck? Anyway, well, you know, speaking of of course, we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg and, 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 uh, and CEO, uh, or Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella. And that stunt that was being pulled with the announcement of the quest pro, which kind of upended anything that Microsoft was talking about uh, for their service event that was on October 12th, 2022. We're going to get into a review of that here in the foreplay as well, which I told you that I would, uh, in previous episodes, but before we get into that, let's talk about Zuckerberg. I mean, the quest pro look, we'll get into a larger conversation around the metaverse, virtual reality, and all that bullshit, um, in an, in an upcoming sovereign tech. But, uh, what I found even more interesting to come out this week, uh, from the mouth (laughs) the mouth of meta <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg is, uh, well, he, he basically went on the attack against iMessage against Apple's iMessage. Now this is getting frankly, a little strange because you have Google and now Facebook going after Apple's iMessage. Now I'll get into more of what Zuckerberg said in a second, but I'm starting to wonder about this. Like, is Apple going to come next? And I mean, to their credit, at least they're striking at the root, as it were. Like, why is, you know, say Google's messaging apps or whatever failing? Why is WhatsApp perhaps missing its, I don't know, next 2 trillion users or whatever? They know that it comes down to iMessage iMessage likely has the keys to grandma. And so you've got, got to do something about iMessage. I mean, it's amazing the attack that's going on. Um, they even Facebook or WhatsApp or meta, whatever the fuck we should call these companies now, um, (sighs) essentially like, are we ever going to get used to calling it meta? I guess I'll call it meta. Just like Google, we should call alphabet. I guess we'll get to that so anyway, meta, uh, did an ad where like people are going into this, you know, parcel store, they're going into this, you know, like, like a PO box, you know, like a UPS store or whatever. And they're like, Oh yeah, I want to mail this out. And then the guy says, Oh yeah, I'm going to send it via carrier pigeon. Like the guy behind the desk says that. And the person goes, wait, what, what? No, I don't want you to do that. I don't trust that. Even though frankly, carrier pigeons pretty, I mean, like, good luck the NSA getting a hand on something, getting their hands on something being sent via carrier pigeon. Carrier pigeon is actually really great. So Meta sort of failing here <laughs> because I would trust a letter getting sent via carrier pigeon way more than I would trust it being sent by the U.S. Post Office. Just saying, all that goes through a computer. Um But (laughs) that aside, like they did, I mean, it's still funny the point that they're bringing up saying that, oh yeah, well with iMessage, you know, if it's just SMS, it's not getting encrypted. It's not end to end encrypted and all this. And I mean, it's hilarious for, as we've talked about, even in recent episodes of Sovereign Tech, it's hilarious for Meta to be arguing that, you know, they're like, they're interested in privacy and that they care about privacy. I mean, what a bunch of shit. But let's read what Zuck had to say about why WhatsApp is more private um, than iMessage, which, again, I think is actually a fairly laughable claim. Uh let's see, here we go. Zuckerberg says WhatsApp is far more private and secure than iMessage with end-to-end encryption that works across both iPhones and Android, including group chats. With WhatsApp, you can also set all new chats to disappear with a tap of a button. And last year we introduced end-to-end encrypted backups too, all of which iMessage still doesn't have. Okay, so feature set might be kind of accurate. Um there's a lot of parity in feature set between the two also, because I mean, one of the big reasons that arguably that people want iMessage to open up more, not just to be able to connect with grandma, I guess, but as Tim Cook, you know, now kind of legendaries, uh, legendarily, or is it, would, would that be the term that I would use? Uh, now that he has notoriously stated that if you want to send HD video and HD pictures to grandma, get an iPhone. Um, you know, WhatsApp can, can send that. So can signals. So can basically anything outside of SMS, which is effectively Android messages. And certainly Google is working on that, but their workaround is to send it via Google photos, which I don't think is a viable workaround because that means that your pictures have to get uploaded to somebody's server instead of being sent end to end, which fucks with all kinds of problems, especially if your argument is more about end to end encryption. Anyway, this is patently laughable for Zuck to make the claim that somehow WhatsApp is more secure than iMessage. I mean, it wasn't even two weeks ago, or maybe it was two weeks ago now that WhatsApp themselves amazingly disclosed that, uh, well, actually there were, there were a couple of disclosures of a, a couple of CVEs that they posted, okay. On their own blog, um, that essentially, or at least for one of them, all a malicious actor had to do, uh, you know, to, to own your phone, you know, take control of your phone was, you know, send a malicious video or start a video call, you know, with you on WhatsApp. Um, I mean, this isn't even getting into, you know, Jeff Bezos getting cracked via WhatsApp. You know, that's how those photos and whatever other messages leaked and everything. Uh, what was that back in 2018? I think that that occurred. Um, or, I mean, there've been pretty much every year there has been a massive security issue with WhatsApp, at least one, if not more. Um, so this argument is fallacious on the part of Mark Zuckerberg to somehow claim, and and that's not even getting into the privacy. We talked about this way too many times. (laughs) Okay. So WhatsApp uses the signal protocol, um, But again, the implementation was not perfect. And it's all about the implementation. You can use the best protocol in the world, but if you've got backdoors working around, whatever those happen to be, the protocol doesn't matter. So this is nonsense. Now, obviously I applaud overall, and this was a recent major subject. In fact, we're going to hit on some other major subjects throughout this entire episode that I've been bringing up over the past month, um, you know, like, I agree that, okay, get people off of iMessage, you know, because you want you as a computer slash smartphone user want to be on services that are platform agnostic, meaning you don't want to be tied down to a specific piece of kit, to a specific piece of hardware, just so you can use a you know, a specific service, especially one as key as real-time communication, you know, something like iMessage or WhatsApp or whatever. Now we talked about this. That's ultimately the answer because this attack, like these attacks against Apple are probably just going to keep ramping up and eventually it's going to turn into, it's likely going to turn into something in the U S Senate or before Congress. Right. Or who knows, maybe it'll start in Europe, right? Like the USBC thing um that that's a whole other conversation but and maybe one I'll get into we'll we'll see but this is this is really really important okay and it's hard because at the same time you don't you generally don't want to use third party apps as much as possible okay like that runs into issues for example um say w- with smartphones in particular okay With smartphones, if you are on an iPhone, okay. Or if you're on Android. So if you're on an iPhone, what keyboard do I suggest you use? I suggest you use Apple's keyboard. If you are on Android, what keyboard do I suggest you use? I suggest that you use Google's keyboard. Why? Because especially if it's a stock Android device, Okay. Different story. If you're running lineage OS or a custom ROM, but with Android, if it's a stock Android device or with iPhone, if it's not jailbroken, okay. Apple and Google on their respective platforms, they run those operating systems. They really like they have total control of those things and they, they can collect at the operating system level, everything you type into your keyboard anyway. All right. So if your concern is, yeah, but I want to use a different keyboard because I don't want Google to see what I'm typing in or vice versa for Apple or you know, like equally for Apple. No, <laughs> you're on their operating system. You might as well use their kit. You might as well use their shit. Okay. Because they're already going to be able to key log if they wanted to anyway. And absolutely they are. And you say to me, what proof do you have that they key log? Uh, predictive results. And you can say that they like mix those up or whatever, but I mean, the key logging capability is there. It is happening. Even if it's more on an algorithmic affair, it's happening. And you go throwing like Swift key on there. And now you have Google and Microsoft, you know, basically collecting everything that you type out. Like why add on to that? So you want to be very cautious in what you use as far as third parties. Okay. As far as third party software. Um, and so, you know, like obviously as much as you can help it, do not install any, like if you can avoid an entire tech giant, like meta do that. Okay. Just like, honestly, if you're on, well, I'm actually, there was a great question in the sovereign tech, Patreon discord. Uh, Patreon only discord that I'm going to be getting into in the Wednesday Q and a this week. That's all about like switching over from, you know, iPhone to Android. Um, and well, I'll get into more of it there because there's obviously nuance in what I'm saying, but as much as possible, if you can avoid an entire tech giant, fucking do so like if you can avoid putting amazon software in there and i know that's hard as hell right because everybody rocks audible smartphone's a great way to listen to audible that becomes an issue you know when it comes to entertainment services it becomes a harder thing right just like okay if you're on an android phone you can avoid apple and in its entirety right but then what about apple music which to be clear is for all intents and purposes you know it's at least compared to like Spotify and, 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 you know, comparable services, it's a solid music app. You know, I might've had issues with how it was, you know, backing up music, but that was some years ago and whatever, we're not talking about that here. Um, it, it becomes harder with that, but this is my point is that you really don't want to use third party apps as much as possible. Okay. When you're on a platform and you have a stock device, you want to basically run what's there. Okay. Um, again, there's a lot of caveats and nuance to this, but that's, that's my point. So anyway, with messaging, this is something so key, you know, this level of communication and need for some degree of privacy anyway, right? Even if they're, you know, even like I said, with key logging, oh, is there really any privacy? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, like when, I mean, there's a reason Signal brings up the incognito keyboard. Is that foolproof? Not exactly. But then, security today, there is no such thing as perfect security, right? Not today, anyway. If there ever is, there's no. Or let's be particular. There's no such no such thing as perfect cybersecurity. There just isn't. What you have, or the best thing you can go for, is you know what what we call the Swiss cheese model, right? where, yeah, everything's porous, everything has holes, but when the more slices of cheese that you get in the way, the holes aren't all in the same place. And so attack vectors end up running into, you know, walls of the cheese instead of, because the holes aren't uniform. So that's what we call, uh, you know, that's what we call like the Swiss cheese method uh, of security. And that's basically what you're able to do now. But anyway, for fuck's sake, no, do not like if you're wanting to get above iMessage, Zuckerberg is wrong. WhatsApp is not more private, nor is it more secure. WhatsApp is not the answer. You want to go, if you want to go with like Signal or you want to go with, you know, Telegram or fuck, like if you have to use Microsoft software, you know, your Windows person or whatever, and hey, I get it. If you're really into that, I mean, well, Teams isn't that much better, but I'm, I'm just saying like, there are options with don't Facebook is, or meta has, and this has been true for many years on sovereign tech. That's like the one company that you really can get out of your life. Don't bring it into your life. If you can help it again, I know in other parts of the world, you know, outside of America, WhatsApp is just the dominant force and you can't not use it. I understand. Okay. But in the United States, and certainly to get grandma onto something, holy shit, don't let her get onto WhatsApp. Um, all right, let, let, let's move on. We're, in fact, speaking of Microsoft, let's talk about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, the, the, these companies, they're all full of shit. It's all marketing and it's all bullshit. All marketing out of Silicon Valley, out of the tech giants, is bullshit. You understand? We're going to get into a Google story, something that they're actually doing right as far as security. And. Basically the, the rule of thumb I'm going to give you is that unless the marketing comes with a fucking white paper, tell them to stuff it, they're lying. Anyway, let's talk about Microsoft, (laughs) even though there's not much to talk about. Uh, I was, you know, as to where, well, okay. I wasn't that impressed with, with Apple's event, frankly. Um, I wasn't that impressed I mean, like Apple's event might be interesting next year, right? With the iPhone 15. Um, I wasn't that impressed ultimately with, with what, I mean, at least Google had a plan. Like you saw a you saw long-term goals being brought to fruition or at least discussed, uh, and somewhat implemented at Google's October event with Microsoft's event nothing, nothing. (laughs) It was just, I mean, they, they talked about teams. The, the surface laptop five is coming out, which is going to be Intel only, which I find to be very strange. Clearly that's because they want to take advantage of Thunderbolt four. Um, but nothing really exciting. there. surface laptops have really fallen by the wayside anyway. Surface pro nine, no i mean it's pure iteration there's nothing really you know exciting uh, being done there other than oh newer processors newer this blah 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 uh the surface studio 2 plus now this the surface studio when that was originally released fuck what was that was that like um was that 2018 2017 whenever the first surface studio um or no no that was the studio 2 came out in 2018 the surface studio, the original one in 2015, that was actually exciting. Remember they they had the surface dial and like they were exploring new ways of computing that I thought was really, really fascinating. Um, I don't think you're really getting that here. Uh, if anything, it looks like Microsoft is just envious of, well, okay. So Apple copied the surface with the iPad and the Apple pencil. Um, But, like, the iPad and the Apple Pencil, and I can say from using it, like, is such a brilliant combination when you're doing creative work. Uh, Clearly, Microsoft is trying to double down on that, but um, I think Apple's kind of blown past them, you know, at at, at this stage. But that was also interesting that Apple and Microsoft are being buddy-buddy again where there's going to be uh, an iCloud, iCloud photos app and an Apple TV app, as well as an Apple music app. Like we were just talking about earlier, um, all for windows 10 and 11. Um, that'll be, you know, essentially native apps, um, as well as I think they're going to be available on Xbox, uh, now. So, you know, I, am not, I wasn't really seeing anything, uh, too exciting, With, I mean, like they showed off that, uh, Microsoft designer where it lets you make art with AI or whatever, um, you know, and that looked interesting, but okay. There's the, the perfect world scenarios that you see on display in these events. And then there's like, what does it look like in the real world? Right. Um, and also the aforementioned teams, there's accessories being built specifically for teams, I don't expect that stuff to really do anything because they tried this with Skype before to have things be Skype branded and it never did shit for it, you know? Um, so there's, there's just nothing exciting here. And that's a pity because man, in 2015, Microsoft really had the chance to seize the reins in Silicon Valley. I mean, not, I mean, fuck all the tech giants, But I'm just saying they were really talk about a plan that they had. They had an amazing, what to my mind looked like an amazing plan, um, you know, to, to really, really shake things up and have new form factors and have like a way that they, a direction, a vision. I hate to use that term because it makes me think of VC meetings and I just go cross-eyed, but they've lost that, you know, as to where, like, like I was talking about either last week or the week before. know, where Google clearly has a vision now, granted, they're just copying Apple, but they're on that upward March, which is interesting to see. We're going to talk more about some, you know, what, what Google's up to here, um, which actually is going to prove a theory that I laid out. And I want to say that was in last week's episode. Um, but anyway, Microsoft has just completely dropped the ball, um, and they're continuing to do so. And windows 11 is, I mean, there's just not a stitch, but that's that's helping with anything. Uh I found it really interesting that Satya Nadella's co-announcement with Mark Zuckerberg basically upstaged the whole event. Uh I mean, dare I say, I that that's almost weird. You know, and the problem is like Microsoft's not really in the position. I mean, that's all we want, Windows, that's all we've ever wanted Windows to be, is just be the underlying platform that software we want from other companies, you know, kind of runs on, okay. Just make windows run faster with less resources. That's all, that's all we need you to do Microsoft. And that, that you can run, you can do office and all that. And, oh, that's a whole other thing. Now it seems like they're getting rid of office branding again, very, very odd, but you know, now it feels like they're just finding ways to like interact with the other tech giants and the problem is windows 11 runs like so much shit that, okay, if you're, if there's no Microsoft apps that are killer apps that you want to run or that they only run on windows, like you can run out of reason to, you run out of reasons to run windows because like, why do you need that to be the platform for the apps that you want to run? Say like the Apple apps or whatever else. It, it just doesn't make sense. You know what, what, what they've got going on here um they seem absolutely directionless and whatever i mean i guess i'd rather have it be a company without direction than one with direction and it being malicious but yeah fucking crazy anyway we'll talk about a company that clearly does have a plan uh in the story of the week segment i'll be right back with more this is sovereign tech Have you had enough of the big name web hosting services that are long on promises, but short on bleeding edge features, uptime and customer service? Or are you just looking for a performance boost for your business's online presence? The answer is Agorist Hosting. Agorist Hosting is the agile web host that offers full concierge service from website redesign, full e-commerce solutions, even custom apps for your Shopify store and more. All with security, reliability, redundancy, and privacy at the forefront. Oh, and those bleeding edge features? How about hosting your data in a decentralized system like IPFS, the Interplanetary File System? Good luck getting that from those other guys. Agorist Hosting is ready to take your web presence into the future. Head over to agoristhosting.com to get started. That's A G O R I S T Hosting.com agoristhosting.com
0: Story of the Week
1: So speaking of a company with a plan we are talking about Google slash Alphabet slash whatever. Google. Uh, This came as an absolute surprise to me but it didn't surprise me in what it announced. And this is from October 12th. So October has been national cybersecurity awareness, or I don't know if it's national, but it's cybersecurity awareness month. I'm sure that's international. Or at least it should be, or should be global because fuck nations, Woo, anarchy, baby. Anyway, <laughs> um, this, this really did surprise me, you know, uh, like that, that this was being worked on. But then fitting it into what I have described, what I've theorized that Google may be doing, it actually made perfect sense and frankly proved, I think partly proves my point or at least adds, uh, adds some fire to what I was saying. And what I was saying, this is I believe in the last episode of Sovereign Tech was because I was reviewing the pixel event and what it all meant. And what I was saying in that was it would be interesting this is my theory. It would be interesting if Google was effectively saying with all of their, with their pixel line of devices and with Google Fi and you know, all of that, that they were saying, okay, Hey, you know, if you want to have privacy from Google, buy our pixel devices, and we're not going to collect data about you. But if you, use Google's services on anything else, we're we're going to own your ass. You know, and we're going to collect every ounce of data that we can. And this seemed to, like this announcement about what are now called VCNs or virtual cellular networks, uh, this seems to bolster that point that because here's the deal. So not that this technology, because it's baked into Android. Okay, the VCN concept is baked into Android. What it does is it's more than a VPN. You still want to run a VPN. And Google says as much. Well, here I can read from the actual white paper, which that's nice to get those, um, from a company anyway, (laughs) uh, I'll I'll read here. Let's see. So actually I have a story from nine to five Google, uh, which is linked in the show notes. Definitely worth a read. Um, let's see this Fi is in Google Fi. VCN subsumes and replaces the general notion of a cellular network on the device and will be used by any application sending internet data traffic over the mobile data provider compared to a VPN. It applies to the main work and secondary user profiles on a phone, as well as when tethering another device, the Fi VCN encrypts all internet bound traffic using modern IPsec tunnels uh, with AES GCM. In addition to what's happening on your phone, there are carrier network level components involved. Quote, the FI, this is directly from Google, from Google FI. The FI VCN uses blind signing to ensure full separation of your identity from your network traffic. With blind signing, it is possible to authenticate that a user has a valid FI subscription, required to prevent abuse, and can therefore be granted access to the VCN service, but avoids any metadata regarding the content of internet traffic and internet services being used from being tied back to an individual subscriber. So, and that's the end of the quote. So stallion here, um, this is really cool to bake this in at the operating system level. Okay. Where effectively the metadata in data in general, when you are using Phi, is collected in aggregate and spread in aggregate, meaning that, you know, it's not tied to one user. It's just, you, you know, it's, it's one big trough of data and you don't know it's on spin cycle, right? As they would say, uh, you, you don't know, they don't know who, th- they can't identify you. Now, Google is in charge of the operating system and at the hardware level, you know, on their device, uh, say, because this only works right now, this only works on pixel phones. It only works if you have a Google, you know, Google Fi, if that's your, uh, you know, your telco. Okay. And a nice thing is this is also double blinding is effectively against not just Google or not just Google fi, but also, uh, you know, T-Mobile us cellular, whoever, you know, and whatever, uh, uh, towers that Google fi, a Google fi subscriber, like myself, I have that, uh, you know, can uh, will be connecting to. So it's important, you know, before we think this is all sunshine and rainbows. Okay it's important to recognize their language is incredibly particular that Google Fi does not collect the data. Okay. So that's still leaving the opening of what we were talking about earlier during the foreplay on this episode, where Google, again, because they own the operating system, um, can still collect all of the data that you're typing in all the apps that you download and all of this, but effectively they're not doubling down in what Google Fi is, is, you know, collecting. Um, now if you have your VPN on like a Google VPN, all of that data that is being sent via VPN is going to Google's servers. What are Google's, you know, like what are their operating standards for their VPN? Are they keeping zero logs? Probably not. (laughs) So, So Google is in a way still collecting this data. However, two things, one, again, Google's going to collect all the data they can from any Android phone, uh, running their version of Google or running their version of Android anyway, that's happening. Okay. So not a shock there. You're already dealing with the devil, but to keep this data even more so away from T-Mobile and other telcos that Google Fi is built on top of great. Now they do make it clear that because this is an experimental, like, or this is very new that if, if needed to make sure that there is 100% uptime, they will default to the non-VCN, uh, connectivity standards, you know, to, to whatever antennas uh, or towers as needed. So you know, this isn't perfect at this point. I would love to see like say an Android 14, because again, this is a feature of Android. Also, it's something that has to be implemented by the telco itself. Okay. Um, and I like that Google is once again, trying to like shame other companies into doing what's right. Okay. And like making all of that data private. Um, but I would like to see say an Android 14 where you could toggle that, Okay, if the VCN can't connect, data gets cut off, you know, or cellular service gets cut off. I would really, really like to see that feature. Kind of like how in more modern versions of Android, you can turn off two um, G connectivity for the most part. You know, there's there's a there's a little toggle that you can hit because so fuck five G, um, but four G and five G are far more secure by design networks than you know, 2G ever was right. As well as 3G really, but 3G is getting phased out anyway. 2G gets kept because of its range, you know, it's impressive range and there are areas where it's the best you've got. Right. So, but the problem is that your baseband firmware, which we've talked about 10 billion times on Sovereign Tech, that the baseband firmware of your smartphone, of any smartphone is a mess is a security exploit just always waiting to happen because it does not get locked down. And in many ways can't be locked down because your phone, a smartphone operates on a cell phone anyway, not just a smartphone, but a cell phone operates under the auspices of taking in whatever it receives at that level, at the firmware level. Um, again, that's by design. Is it a flawed design? Sure. But it's by design. Um, so what people will, what bad actors will do is they will force your smartphone to operate on a 2g network by sending a specific signal. And at that point, then you're connected to, you know, their network and they're going to own your ass. So, you know, turning off 2g now, when you turn off, when you toggle off 2g, at least in Android, I don't know about iPhone, if that's a capability, but at least an Android, you know, if you need to make like a 911 call or something like that, it'll go over 2g if it needs to, like, if there's an emergency call that has to be made, it's going to work anyway, but that's a very separate protocol on smartphones or on Android anyway. Um, but it's a good idea to turn off 2g, you know, if you can help it. Okay. Unless you're in an area where again, for some reason, that's all you've got. Actually, you're probably in the right area if that's all you've got, in my opinion, but regardless, um, While in the long run, I don't think this is really, this is necessarily stopping Google from collecting, you know, data about you. Um, It is certainly stopping other major companies like T-Mobile from collecting data about you. And that I applaud. And I don't imagine there's ever really going to be the demand uh, for this. But I mean, this is also helpful, especially like when you go overseas, because this is going to work there as well. You know, because Google Fi, I mean, as I have brought up many times, part of the reason I use Google Fi is it has the best global coverage, meaning, and, and not just coverage, but the plan, meaning it doesn't care where you are in the world. They charge the exact same, um, no matter where you are, like the Google Fi price is the Google Fi price. And that's the end of it. And they charge, you know, well, actually I have the unlimited plan, but you know, they charge every 10 gig, you know, they charge 10 bucks for every 10 gig and everything. It's just pricing structure is great, uh, with Google Fi, which is one of the many reasons that I use it. This is just another one. Um, but again, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like Google Fi plays well with Motorola and Samsung phones. It'll be interesting to see if they'll, if Samsung takes advantage of this, uh, if not, th- this absolutely, I mean, if again, you got to be on Google Fi for it to make sense, but if you're a pixel user and on Google Fi, I mean, this is definitely something to applaud. Uh, the other beautiful part is again, it doesn't get in the way of any of your other security features. For example, um, it won't get in the way of your VPN, right? Maybe you don't want to use Google's VPN. So instead you're using like MOLVAD on your smartphone, which is a great idea, uh, or maybe you know, you, like you have your private DNS set up as something different on your Android device, which I do. I have my private DNS, uh, set for quad nine and, you know, like that, the VCN doesn't get in the way of the functionality of quad nine. So, you know, I feel in in a very real sense, I feel almost triple protected because I have the VCN at what is practically the hardware level uh, or at least, I mean, it's a software level. It's cause it's, it requires it's, it was built into Android 12. So you need Android 12 and up. Um, but yeah, I have the VCN, then I have the VPN running. And then I also have quad nine running as my DNS. Uh, that's a pretty powerful package. I mean, something I, that frankly, I, I really don't like to admit. Okay. Because at the same time, I hate smartphones. Um, yeah, smartphones, like Android and iOS, as far as out-of-the-box security, especially considering what they can do out of the box, uh, like their capabilities out of the box, okay, as compared to, say, like OpenBSD. Uh, are generally in, and, and at a hardware level, depending upon what smartphones you're getting, like iPhones are incredibly at a hardware level are incredibly secure devices. Pixel phones are incredibly secure devices at the hardware level, you know, with the Titan M2 chip and, and, and so on. Um, in fact, (laughs) sorry, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. The point I want to make here before I get into what I was just about to say is smartphones from the right companies are actually far more secure than just about any computer you can buy any, you know, PC laptop, whatever. Okay. By design, like at the hardware level, They're really there. I don't like to admit that because I hate smartphones, but that's, that's the reality of the situation. Samsung does, does a, does a good job too. What I was actually going to recommend, um, Google put out a podcast called, and it's actually like a genuine podcast. It's not, I mean, you could say it's a 30 minute ad, but they're doing a whole series and it's the made by Google podcast. Again, this is part of them. This is their plan, right? They're going to make an ecosystem similar to Apple Uh, in the most recent episode they did was on security and that was dynamite to listen to. Um, they have people, there, very smart who for all intents and purposes are implementing things, right? Uh, I definitely recommend listening to that. If you want to, you know, understand, especially with, with pixel devices, um, you know, what and, and Android in general, you know, what are things being implemented, you know, into Android and kind of what is the philosophy there? If I think of it, I'll link to them. I'll link to it in the show notes, but I might not think of it. But anyway, this is, this is a step in the right direction. This is a way that telcos should be setting up their cellular networks. I don't think that they're going to, I think Google's going to stand alone in this just as they do in many things. Um, but it it would be slick. I would like it. You know, here's, I, I know a lot of my listeners are huge Samsung fans, and I, I get it just like I have lots of listeners that are Apple fans. I, I have listeners who, you know, have all have their favorite tech giants, even though I think like me, they also want to say fuck them all. But, um, like something that would be really slick, you know, is if this was ported for Google Fi, uh, devices anyway, if, if this worked on basically any Google Fi device, including say like, you know, in a, a galaxy S 22, and then you ran I know some people who run their like their S21 or their S22, they use Samsung Dex as their computer, like and that's their only computer you know and they just plug it in to you know USB C hub and away they go on a big screen monitor and everything, and they don't even pay for home Wi-Fi. They do everything through their smartphone and they use it again. They have like, you know, Bluetooth or they have a, actually they don't use Bluetooth. They have, um, uh, they have you know, again with, with the hub they have with the dongle, they have a USB keyboard, USB mouse, and they just rock their smartphone. Like it's a computer. I mean, I gotta admit it's it fuck smartphones, but it's an attractive idea, right? But that'd be amazing to have a device like that running off of a network that's protected by you know, the VCN and then say the VPN, and then also doing the right DNS with like quad nine. Fuck man. That's, that's a pretty nice network setup you got going on. Really? I mean, that, that is ultra minimalist stuff, but anyway, uh, yeah. So Google FI's VCN and Google FI slash Android's VCN. I mean, slick move, you know, I'm not saying it's perfect. And even Google comes right out and says that there's no such thing as perfect security you know, like in their white paper. Uh, if you're of the more technical bent, I definitely recommend reading that, you know, to, to grok this more. Uh, but it's a move in the right direction. You know, I mean, you carry a smartphone, you're kind of owned anyway, but at least this is preventing some more of that Swiss cheese model, right? At least this is preventing, um, you know, like other, other telcos and other data from like your, your identity being attached to a device so much. Um, it's the right moves it's in the right direction anyway let's put it that way all right i'll be right back with some more sovereign tech and you know speaking of like how people have their workflows set up we're going to get into that in our uh listeners choice i'll be back with more
0: science outer space psychology book and movie recommendations fiction from the Sovereign Universe, travels to points of mystery and the unexplained, and even spirituality? All of that can only mean one thing. The Sovereign Technica Newsletter, by me, Ellen Sovereign. Along with some stuff by that crazy man I call my husband, Dr. Brian Sovereign. It's the latest tool in your self directed education. The education that really matters. If you want to cut through the crap of mainstream media ass clowns, sign up for the Sovereign Technica newsletter right now at sovereign.substack.com. That's S O V R Y N.substack.com. The Sovereign Technica newsletter. Welcome to the future. Listener's choice.
1: It is time for listener's choice where you get to take control of the show. And uh, this was something I I think I, I must have teased it least according to their email, I did. Um, I must have teased it that I was going to talk about like what my, you know, what my little laptop work setup is like. And then they emailed me and said, yeah, I want to know, like, what's this about? And so, okay. um, I I seem to recall that I was going to talk about it at some point. I think we were in some kind of subject that was relevant to the matter. Um, And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but this is something that I learned. So recently... Uh, of course, I've talked about this in pre, in recent episodes, um, but Mrs. Sovereign and I, we were going to be going on a road trip. Uh, I mean, van lifing for at least a year. That was the plan. Uh, again, circumstances out of our control. Uh, we were not able to do that. But I mean, we were ready basically right up to the last minute and, you know, we prepped everything. I mean, like we put a bunch of stuff into storage. We, you know, we got everything set up. We were already living out of duffel bags. Like we, we had the whole, we were ready to go. And we ended up, uh, because for a little while, of course we were staying in, in Rob's museum and, uh, (laughs) Rob and Freebeard, um, which boy, you want to hear about what we think about Andor you just wait, we're going to get some TIE fighter renegades in here soon. Um, But, you know, there were times where we were still very much working remotely, as in we would go to Panera Bread or we would go wherever, you know, even from like a park or something. And we would be tethering off of smartphones. We'd have our laptops and we would be, you know, doing whatever we needed to, to work remotely. And we had to have setups that were very compact. Now, admittedly, you can't get more compact, than what Ellen did. Uh, of course she became the owner of my GPD micro PC, which she just loves that thing to death. Um, and she still uses it all the time. Uh, (laughs) like when she's doing the sovereign technica newsletter, you know, like she's, she's rocking it out on that wherever she happens to be on lunch break, you know, whatever, like it's, it, it, it's amazing what she does and how dedicated she is to the sovereign technica newsletter. I love it. Um, anyway, so she has the micro PC, which you can basically take anywhere. She'll still pull out a mouse and use a mouse with it. Um, and you know, and, and she can tether off her smartphone if she, if she needs to, and you know, whatever, and her smartphone, I mean, just to describe her setup a little bit. So the micro, uh, or the GPD micro PC, not the greatest battery life. I mean, I think six hours is pretty great, which you can get out of it. Like, I think that's pretty good. Okay. Um, also it's powered by USB-C. So, you know, you can use a portable battery, uh, like an anchor battery, you know, that you would use to charge a smartphone or an iPad or something like that can easily charge the micro PC. So there's an advantage there. And that's something that has to be done at times. Um, but also her smartphone is, um, part of the G power series from Motorola, which those have just those big honking batteries on them you know, that can get, you get like three days and I'm not kidding about that. It's not an exaggeration. You get like three days battery life out of it. So that's a great thing to have when you need to tether. And it's a great thing to have when you're on a road for sure. Um, anyway, her, her her setup is so fucking compact. It's amazing. A big enough person could put it all in their pocket. It's it's really impressive. Um, mine is not so compact, but I want to talk about, you know, kind of my setup. Now I'm going to go a little bit beyond that and because I mean, I still work remotely some days and parts of this really help with that, but I will give you like a, like, you know, what does my desk, my work desk. And when I say work, I mean, yes, that does include some of what I do as far as my J my day job, but also mainly what I do for sovereign tech in general, you know, I'll, I'll cover my gear here. Okay. Um, of course my main laptop, my daily driver, as it were is my Dell 7480, uh, which your latitude 7480, which as I've talked about, so this has a sixth generation core i5 in it. And that was on purpose because I wanted to run windows seven on the last best hardware or close to best hardware that was out there. So this laptop, when I got it, I mean, as far as what it valued at was probably about 300 bucks. Okay. 16 gig of RAM. I mean, it's as maxed out as it possibly can be. It has a one terabyte, um, Samsung, uh, 860 in it, uh, SSD drive. So, you know, what, whatever the best can be put into this thing has been put into this thing. What did it cost when it was originally released, like in 2015, 2016, it was effectively a $2,500 laptop. I mean, this is a, you know, this is a Cadillac laptop right up there with your carbon X ones again at that time. Now it's cheap. Now it's inexpensive, but you know, these things were made, you know, for enterprise environments, they're built to last and get repaired, which is also very important, right? When I was on the road, I needed a computer that I could go to like a university PC store and get it repaired and that they would have the parts, right? I can't, I couldn't rely on getting a motherboard shipped from Amazon. Um, you know, it's only real flaw is that it doesn't have a removable battery. However, I did get, uh, an expanded battery for it. So I get anywhere between, depending upon workload, I get anywhere between eight to 12 hours of battery life out of this thing with the expanded battery, uh, running windows seven, and frankly, I think that's amazing. Like that's mind blowing really, uh, that, that it does that well. Um, so, you know, I, I have this maxed out as much as I can. Um, I, as far as my smartphone, I have the, uh, the pixel six, of course, not the pixel six pro, just the pixel six, uh, and that the battery life on that, especially when you have Google assistant off and you turn off quite a few features, I can actually get more than a day out of it. Like it doesn't do bad at all for what it is. Now, while certainly, you know, running windows seven could be considered risky business. Now, as I brought up a bit, you know, many times I am running uh, a zero patch, the, the software zero patch that actually like does a better job of patching, you, you know, varying security issues and exploits than Microsoft does. And They know that their client base is largely Windows 7 users. But again, I still get security updates every second Tuesday of the month, just like every Windows 10 and Windows 11 user. I still get the same security patch as you do, not from zero patch, I get them right from Microsoft. It's still a secure system. But um, part of my logic in getting my hands on a Pixel smartphone was having a device that did have the latest and greatest security built into it because it was also going to be my networking device, so that was really key when I know I'm running what could be called aging hardware and aging software or an aging OS, even though I would argue Windows 7 runs just as well, if not better today, than you know it did when it originally came out over was that over ten years ago now, yeah <laughs> it's, it's just so smooth anyway. So speaking of my setup, so like I described, you know, kind of my logic behind and, uh, you know, what hardware I'm using. Um, and I'm not going to necessarily get too much into the software other than, you know, cause I've already talked about that, like how to secure windows seven. I've already covered that in previous episodes. Um, what I want to talk about more is again, the specific desk setup. So what I did when, especially for when I was going mobile was, you know, if you're sitting, say at Panera Bread or Starbucks or whatever, you might not be able to, again, my smartphone is kind of my notification hub and that's really all I treat it as. Okay. Because part of the reason I'm using windows seven is I don't want notifications at all. Not when I'm doing work where I'm in front of a keyboard and I'm rocking a keyboard hard. Okay. You know, in which you're not going to do that on a smartphone, right? Not, not on a touch keyboard. So I don't want notifications. That's one of my biggest problems with windows 10 and 11. And even some Linux distros are pissing me the fuck off with their notifications. And what the hell was this? Did you see that in, oh man, fucking Ubuntu or canonical, I should say they're putting like quote unquote ads for uh, Ubuntu services in the terminal on new versions of Ubuntu. God damn you know, look the command line, the Klee, man, that's holy ground Highlander. Like w- you don't put anything in there. You leave that the fuck alone, man. that's fucking stupid. Anyway. So to avoid getting those kinds of pop-ups and notifications and whatever else, it's part of the reason that I'm running windows seven on my main laptop. Yes. I have other laptops where I'm running Linux. I run OpenBSD. you know, I'm, um, all over it. Okay. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, open source, just it's in these veins. You understand. Okay. Anyway, with work, especially for my day job, uh, you know, my smartphone is very much my notification hub. Okay. And I want to be able to see it. Here's the thing when you're sitting at, and if you're a big guy like me, when you're sitting at like, say a two seater table at Panera, or in a recliner of some kind or whatever the fuck those chairs are at a Starbucks, depending upon the Starbucks, um, you know, a, I mean, you can't just have these gigantic smartphones in your back pocket. Uh, you don't really want to have them sitting between your legs, frying your nuts, you know, like where are you going to put this thing? And you might not even have room, especially if you break out a mouse, which I don't blame you. You might not have room to even just set it down on the table, especially if you have, you know, the most beautiful woman alive in front of you, like Ellen, uh, you know, who also needs space. Right. And then you have some food you want to lay down or whatever, like it's a problem. So the solution, and I think it's a brilliant one. And I mean, this, there's like a a cottage industry around this is to have a little magnetic arm. And I mean, these things are full metal. They're going to add some weight to your laptop, but I think they are absolutely worth it. Um, and you can, I'll link to one of them in the show notes, the one that I use. Okay. Um, but there's all different kinds and whatever. Anyway, your, your, your tastes and tolerances are yours. So it's a little arm that it almost looks like a pizza slicer because it has a magnet on one end and like, and the arm just kind of folds out to the left or the right. It's omnidirectional, whichever way you want it to go. I have mine that it goes to, uh, well, for me, it's the right side of the screen, and it'll come with a little metal ring. If your smartphone does not natively have, uh, you know, a magnet in the back of it, kind of like iPhones, I guess. Um, and then, you know, I put like the metal ring. I put it on a case, uh, particularly for my smartphones. I use Pella cases. P L P E L A. Uh, Pella cases are great. They're like they're cases that are very slim. They got a good grippy feel to them. Uh, they're not the cheapest, but they—they're biode—um—they're compostable actually. So when you're done with that case, you know even though it might not feel great to throw away fifty bucks, but you can toss it into the compost bin, which is awesome in my opinion. Uh, and so I use that, and I put the metal ring on that. Um, of course I'll have to peel that metal ring off before I throw it in the compost bin. But then I just, it just, you know, the metal, the magnet of the arm, I fold the arm out from behind the screen of the laptop and it holds, uh, you know, and I just put the the metal ring with the smartphone right up to it and it holds the smartphone. I mean, you can't knock this thing off. Like you can pad it. I mean, I have it set up like that right now. Um. And, th- and that thing's never going to fall off. You can walk around with it and that smartphone stays on there. I mean, the magnet's amazing. Like I said, it does add some weight, but then it's holding the smartphone at eye level and kind of just being a screen extension for me. Now, another option that you could do with, with some modern operating systems is where you can actually screen mirror your smartphone wirelessly to to Windows 11 or whatever and I know that that's a possibility but why like to my mind that's taken up some system resources I don't in fact a lot on both sides of, of the equation be it the laptop and the smartphone I just I don't necessarily consider that viable but having a smartphone as a second screen is game changing stuff for me you know and again it's really handy when you don't have a lot of table space you know or even when like if I'm sitting on a couch even, it's handy to have my smartphone just attached to, uh, you know, to the side of the laptop like that, where it's coming off the arm on the lid of the laptop. I mean, I do other things too, like with the lid of the laptop, like when you buy a Trezor, you know, like a crypto wallet, um, the hardware wallet with Trezor, it comes with a little magnetic base that you can put on like the back of your laptop, and then you can kind of slap it on there, um, and have it connected via USB-C. That's, that's a handy thing to have as well. Uh, they yeah, I know people just always think about putting stickers on their laptop lids, but actually it's, you know, the hinges on a proper laptop are so strong. There's a lot of options to take advantage of on a laptop lid, in my opinion. And I do. Um, so that was kind of my solution for, and I might even talk about other things that I did as far as this goes, um, for mobile work when we get into the climax, but I'll save that for that. Uh, as far as like at my desk. So here's the thing. Now, another kind of more recent philosophy of mine, this wasn't possible really when I was on the road, but it is now, uh, I really, 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 like I have data, I have files that I have kept since the nineties, you know, like the whole nineties. Um, like I have files that once sat inside, uh, or once sat on a, on a 250 megabyte, not gigabyte, megabyte hard drive in a three eighty six computer. I'm not kidding. Um, in fact, well, uh, I, I, um, with windows seven, when I was setting up this computer, I was like, oh you know, I want to put on a great screensaver with windows seven. Yeah. Remember those I want to put on a, I mean, you can still do it with windows 10 and windows 11, but anyway, I want a great screensaver on this thing. And I was like, Oh, I remember that Stargate screensaver where it was the, the, the spinning logo of the SGC that you'd actually actually see on computers on, on the show of Stargate SG one. And I tried looking for it online and I'm like, you know, what? I bet I've got it. I bet I have it in my files. You know, I just got to go back that far and it's got to be there. And it was, it's so fucking great <laughs> and it runs beautifully. Um, so, you know, I, I really, really give a shit about my data. Okay. Uh, and I regularly have to refresh my external hard drive and what I do. And, uh, recently, um, you know, like I had like an upgrade was needed, uh, and recently as in, we're talking, you know, like over the past couple of years, So I do have a 18 terabyte, um, Western digital, my book, that's amazing. 250 megabytes. Now I have an 18 terabyte hard drive next to me. Um, but I do have an 18 terabyte, uh, my book that I keep. Of course, I also back up to my NAS, which is in a remote location, but, um, you know, having a slick, like my books sit so nice. They're so compact. And having that sit there now, I mean, it's not something you can take with you on the road because it needs external power. Like it needs AC power, um, or, you know, like an AC plug. Um, it's really handy to have that. And I generally as quickly as I can, anything I download or make, I offload it. If it needs to go to the NASA, it goes to the NAS and everything backs up to my Western digital, MyBook to that 18 terabyte hard drive. I treat just about any computer like a thin client. Um, just because, you know, what are people going to, especially like when you're on the road or something, you know, if people are going to grab something from you or, you know, steal something from you, like they're going to go for the laptop or they're going to go for the smartphone. They're generally not going to go for the hard drive. Right. I mean, that that's just not as, because it, it's just this block. It's not as, you know, it's very innocuous, I think. Uh, And it's just not something people are necessarily going to look at. Okay. So, and also you can kind of put them anywhere because you don't need to look at them or see them or whatever. Uh, So I generally try to get my data over to, you know, to this hard drive, especially as quickly as possible. Even though I have a one terabyte hard drive in this laptop, I want everything over to that 18 terabyte. And, you know, then, and even if it's something that I still keep on the main laptop, you know, that way I have that, I have that backup, but it's important. You know, that's the thing. Like I don't refresh my computers as often as I refresh my hard drives. Okay. But it's, but it's very important to refresh your hard drives, like get a new hard drive. Yes. These hard drives, especially NAS drives are designed to, to run for, you know, five to 10 years to a decade or so. Um, I would frankly, especially if you are running them nonstop, I would refresh your, your external hard drives probably every three years or so three to five. Um, you know, even if your other hard drives not going bad, fine. Then you get another backup or something like that, or you can give it to a kid or what, I don't know. Okay. But keep, if if you care about your data, you got to do that, but it, it looks good. It's a very minimalist setup that I have here with, you know, the big hard drive right there, the 14 inch laptop with the smartphone hanging off the side. And then another thing, in fact, this is what I think originally prompted this, question from an email or, uh, this email from a listener was I talked about laptop fans. Now there are people who say that laptop fans are absolute bullshit. They are so fucking dead wrong. They're completely, completely wrong. Laptop fans. Absolutely. In my opinion, they're a necessity. If you have a regular desk setup and you regularly run a laptop, whether you're, you know, running HDMI to a bigger, you know, uh, monitor, or you're just running the laptop itself, in which case you can set it up in a more ergonomic fashion with the, uh, with the fan, which is nice. Cause you know, it can be at an angle, um, a laptop fan, I consider absolutely essential. Now where a laptop fan is bullshit is if the fans in your laptop are dying or dead, okay. A laptop fan is not going to replace that. Like they're just not close enough to, you know, to the hardware, they're not close enough to the CPU, uh, and they're not directly, you know, in any way connected to the North, to the North bridge via piping or anything like that. Um, but as far as the longevity of your computer, it will absolutely increase the longevity of your laptop, laptop coolers, like cooling fans, phenomenal, wonderful things. I'll put a link into the show notes, um, you know, just so you can see what a, what a good one looks like. Sometimes you can get them where they even have uh, USB hubs on them that's that's a nice little feature to have uh you know to expand the amount of usb ports you have but anyway that's that's essentially what my like workstation looks like um as far as like my my uh you know microphone i mean I, i've talked about this a billion times i use uh right now i'm using the zoom h1n and that's all that i'm using uh you know i try to get a richer sound out of post processing in audacity but That's all that I'm using. So it's a very slim, frankly, very minimalist setup, especially it's funny because this desk I am at is gigantic, but the actual area that I work within is very tiny. (laughs) And that's all that I have. Um, I mean, and I do, I do use a mouse with a mouse pad. Mouse pads are still valid, by the way. Uh, I do use a mouse. I have a Microsoft, their latest IntelliMouse because the IntelliMouse is the greatest mouse design ever. It's a fact of life um and i and i do have that but that's that's my desk setup but like if anything that you take away from this getting your laptop on a cooling fan is again in my opinion essential and especially for when you're not at the desk having uh the the arm the the arm for your smartphone to attach to your laptop i i think is just a is a pure winner as far as something to go for you know as far as allowing for a better workflow if the, your smartphone is a major part of your workflow, which it is for me, if it's not for you, well, then it doesn't matter. And you don't need that. And you're doing life right. Um, but there you go. Anyway, that was again, response, listener's choice. You get to control this part of the show. Uh, got this in an email and thought that I would go ahead and cover it here and we'll be right back. And it's nice to like, not have, well, no, I guess I did yell about a bunch I was going to say, it's nice to have a segment where I'm not like yelling, but I did still yell, didn't I? <laughs> Fucking canonical. Anyway, I'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. Hey, baby, I know, I know you are tired of Gmail. You have had enough. Well, I have a solution for you. What I want you to do is you go to Fastmail. Okay. It's, Fastmail.sovereintech.com. That's the URL you can use. You're going to get a discount with that. You are going to love this. This is email for email's sake. This company does nothing more. Just email and they do it right. All the latest security technologies you want to log into your account with your YubiKey, you can do that. Fastmail has your hookup. Very inexpensive plans. I want you to check it out. You go to fastmail.sovereintech.com. That'll get you the hookup and it's an honor to have them as a part of Sovereign Tech. Woo! Let's get back to the show.
0: Shall we play a game?
1: It is the second half of the show, which means it's time to talk some video games, baby. And I want to be clear first, like in that whole segment that I just talked about, any of the links that I shared with you that are Amazon links, I get no cut from those, nothing. Like you can check the links. There is, or at least as far as I can, you know, control it. There is no tracking on those. It is not something where somehow you're shopping through my link and I get a cut or anything. I mean, it's just, it's not happening. If anyone's getting a cut, it's probably through Amazon smile. And in that case, for me, it'd be the tour project and that's it. Which, why wouldn't you support that? Now, what we're about to talk about for our gaming segment is also not, like, there's no links here, okay? (laughs) I'm not selling you something. Uh, All I want to tell you about is A Good Time. And this is a game that I want to go out there, I want to be out there on the record of, you know, saying how I feel about it because when this originally came out in 2016, uh, my thoughts were incredibly negative, but really it didn't even have to deal with the game. So I want to get into this. Okay. Um, we're talking about no man's sky. So no man's sky. Uh, this is technically what you'd call a survival game, an action adventure survival game. Uh, it was made by hello games, which was basically an independent company. When they did this, um, this game got a lot of coverage because what it is, you are, you're one person flying around the galaxy. And I mean that and landing on planets. Um, and the galaxy that you're flying within is procedurally generated as in, like it's unique for every time that you play it. And it's supposedly, an endless universe not just galaxy but an endless universe that you can explore you can explore it forever find new planets forever now in 2016 and when it was getting developed through much of like 2013 into 2016 uh i think i think it had at least a 3 year development period but while it was getting developed like there was so much hype around it because the way it was being built the way it was marketed was that this was an entire universe being developed within a game and so a lot of people got excited about it because they're uh, i don't want to say crazy um they're confused in that they think our universe is a simulation that the one you and i live in um and so they considered no man's sky to be proof that even with today's computer technology a, un- a simulated universe is possible. Now that's none of that is true. Uh, and again, hello games was an indie developer. There was no way they could deliver on that promise. And when this game came out in 2016, uh, I, I mean the, the, the hype machine was so hot. The expectations were so high. It couldn't possibly live up to it. I mean, nothing could, um, and it didn't. You know, like at the time when it came out, it didn't. And I didn't care. And I haven't bothered with the game. I don't give a shit. But a key point that I've talked about, I've even talked about like on TIE Fighter Renegades with Rob, um, is a game today, the way games are developed and really this is true the way anything's developed today, as far as computer software, uh, but games today, like when they get released, they're not finished. None of them are seemingly none of them are now. I mean, when I release a game and I have, when I release a game, it's fucking finished. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, there's always bugs that can be fixed, but I don't know in in my, and it's not laziness. I just think a game should come out ultimately. And whatever bugs are there are like tricks of the game and they become legends, you know, kind of like whatever weird glitch worlds exist in super Mario brothers two or something. Right. Anyway, that's not how things work today. Today, really, you don't know how good a game is until like three years later or even longer. Again, this came out uh, in 2016 for PC, came out in 2018 for Xbox, I think, well, particularly Xbox One. Then in 2020, it would come out for the series X. Then it would come out for the PS five. And then finally this month, October, 2022, it has come out for the Nintendo switch. Um, I was able to get my hands on it for the Nintendo switch, and I have had some time to play on it. And here's the thing. I was very critical of this game having not even played it, but I was critical of it because of the fact that it didn't deliver on its promise. And because I get endlessly annoyed by people who are into, you know, the simulation theory of the universe, uh, that just boggles the mind how people come to those conclusions. Uh, anyway, I want to say now in 2022, no, this game is fucking awesome. You know, not that I've played it for, you know, 40 hours or anything like that, But the hours that I have had with it, um, even if it only did what I've done so far, this game is amazing. Like, I mean, it's really, really, really slick. Uh, I described it in the Sovereign Tech uh, Patreon only Discord. I described it as it's like Metroid Prime and Zelda Breath of the Wild mixed into one Uh, because it has all of the exploratory features of not that it's a first person shooter. It's more of a third person and it's not really, it doesn't have to be a shooter at all, which I love that. Um, but it has all the exploratory aspects of like Metroid prime. Um, but also, I mean, if I were to, to to attach it to another game, there are legendary games like battle cruiser 3000 AD, where it was supposed to be, okay, you can land on a planet, you can control a starfighter. And then you can even control like a battle, you know, uh, well, a battle cruiser, like a gigantic starship. Um, and that was a game that came out over 20 years ago. Uh, you know, high ambitions, right? Well, no man's sky, unlike battle cruiser 3000 AD, which I throw no shade at that whatsoever, or Derek smart for making it. Um, I mean, just, you know, I love the ambition that they had really. And the lack of hype machine was great too. But anyway, anyway, uh, no man's sky has had, you know, whatever five, six years, uh, to get to the point that it's at now, uh, which it also had a recently had a major update called waypoint. Um, and now it can start to live up to some of that hype. And I mean, I, I just, I had to say it, it's fucking amazing. I can see myself getting 40 hours deep into this and thinking that this is like a top 10 game ever made, you know, like it's not, nothing's going to take TIE fighter, but it's going to get up there. Like just the, the sense of exploration and the free forming nature of it, where you can just take up, take off in a starship. Like it's nothing just like you would in quote unquote, say real life. Not that we have starships right now, or at least not that we have access to those starships, but you know, you could take off go through the atmosphere, do the whole thing, land it. I mean, this is a dream game. Dream game. If you lived in the nineties, anyway, you know, that you could do all of this with, you know, a graphical style that certainly has some surrealness to it, but you know, has fidelity. And I, I, I just, I think it's a brilliant game and it did just come out for the switch, being able to play it portably is an amazing thing. If you got a steam deck, okay, great. You got a steam deck. Woo. Uh, but having it on switch, I think is, I, I hope it does an amazing numbers on the switch because it deserves to, uh, and it's incredible that a game this big was ported to the switch as well. Full featured like that. That's amazing in itself. Um, but just, just a phenomenal, phenomenal game. I mean, this is something, so, you know, with gaming, yeah, I have all the retro consoles or, you know, I've, a lot of them anyway. Uh, but you know, for me, like my modern system is the switch and the beauty of doing that just to get this out of the way is, I mean, I still get to play these massive games, you know, like Witcher three. And I mean, they might be older, but so what, you know, that's just given them time to be perfected. Um, the beauty of being able to play these massive games, play them portably and to not have to worry about the fucking upgrade cycle of my computer. Or you know, as to where just a few years ago I'd be like, oh, I got to, oh man, the, you know, the new 1060 Ti or whatever from Nvidia, I got to get that. I have to have a laptop with that in it. To get out of that cycle is a wonderful thing for your mental health, and you know, I would argue for your health in general, but but anyway, also for your wallet. <laughs> um, but anyway, for the Switch it plays beautifully on that as well. So I want to review, you know, the version of the switch as much as anything, uh, because again, it is such a gigantic game and for it to do so well and the controls to feel pretty good on there. Um, I could definitely see moments where boy, I wish I had a mouse. Um, but it's fine. Like it, you know, it's worth it to have it in such a pocketable format. Um, so anyway, no man's sky, check it out. It's only gotten better. And frankly, I hope hello games, is developing this baby for the next 15 years. In fact, it'd be great if they just opened up the code whenever they're done with it and let the modding community just fucking take over. You know, kind of like the amazing things that people are doing with the Wii U version emulated of uh, Breath of the Wild, you know, on PC, where they're making whole other adventures out of that. That's totally worth your time. Um, So I hope the same thing ends up happening with No Man's Sky, because this is yeah I, I i pretty safely say it this is going to be like one of the top 10 greatest games of all time in my opinion all right that is it for uh our, our bit of our gaming segment and we've got plenty more to get into this is sovereign tech
0: journey into the far reaches of aqua space Attention security break, break back. seal out of doors rig for collision Launch countermeasures. From Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment Inc. and Universal Television comes a journey into the future and beneath the sea. Roy Scheider stars in Sequest DSV.
1: You can watch Sequest by downloading it from your favorite Torrent site or getting it on glorious DVD. For Beneath the Surface Lies the Future. album of the week. It is time for album of the week and do we have uh frankly a pick out of left field here. Uh really new band. This is only their second album. Um but I'm impressed on what I'm hearing. Uh the band is called April Art. So like the month April and then the word art, A R T. Uh their second album here which just came out this month in 2022, uh, it's called poker face, but it's with, you know, uh, it's an acronym. Like there's a period after each letter. So it's P period O period K period poker face. Um, and 15 tracks. It's, I don't want to call it a concept album, even though it has like, they do some interesting little interludes and everything, which which is nice. It gives it a bit of an Epic feel. Uh, it's and it really like this has a real rebellious, anarchist energy to it. I mean, it really does. Uh, I guess you would call it maybe metalcore, even though now the gal like I wouldn't necessarily say she like sings like with a harmony. Like she has kind of a guttural voice. It's not screamo though. Uh, it's just it's it's sort of in the middle there, and I like it a lot. Great attitude, great messages in the songs overall, and pretty heavy. You know, with this you know you get some some synth in there you know at, at points. Uh, it's kind of like sort of like uh, kind of like amaranth, one of my favorite bands, kind of like it has somewhat of a similar like feel vibe to amaranth, but if Elise Ridd, you know had more of a like guttural like if if Elise Ridd sang like Wendy O Williams or something, right. Uh, so definitely worth your time if you like that kind of harder edge with a message. Uh, and, and I, and I do dig that and without it going into, you know, kind of death metal or like screamo, as far as like, you know, with, with the, with the singing, not, not that I mind that I just prefer, you know, where I can understand more of what they're saying and where there, there, there's, there's just some kind of edge to the voice, you know, that's, that's not just,
0: bleh,
1: you know, right. You know what I mean? Like I, I like it. So anyway, April art, new band. I like the fresh stuff. I, you know, anytime a new band can can bring in the, you'd say it more of a classic attitude. Uh, I'm I'm there, and they do that with Poker Face. Check it out. I think you're going to like it. And we'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech.
0: From Big Finish Productions, Blake Seven: The Classic Audio Adventures. I'm taking Liberator in on manual. We'll be in teleport range in two minutes. What the hell was that? Information. Liberator has been attacked. You don't say... Put up the force wall. Confirm. Message to all ground commanders. Initiate
1: the final phase. Let's crush these rebels once and for all.
0: My name is Avon. Kerr Avon. Kerr Avon? Our hostage arrives you may be unnecessary. As a hostage, it's nice to be superfluous.
1: You can go to Blake7.com to find more of the new adventures of one of science fiction's greatest masterpieces, Blake7, at Blake7.com.
0: The ancient and the strange.
1: It is time for the ancient and the strange and has been very popular. Um, I am going to read from the Sovereign Technica newsletter. Of course, with the Sovereign Technica newsletter, I have the spirituality segment. Um, and as I've been describing over the past few episodes of Sovereign Tech, that there's a lot of groundwork that I want to lay that, that I, that I want to do before we start discussing the actual subjects I really want to get into with the ancient and the strange segment of the show. Um, again, I'm not going to do every spirituality segment for every issue of the Sovereign Technica newsletter that I've written, but like, I'm not going to get into the naturism one, um. I have other ones like on pacifism and whatever that, it, you know, that I have put together that those I'm not going to get into here, but again, ones that set up the groundwork. Okay. Uh, that, uh, you know, of what spirituality means to me and what it can mean if you want it, uh, you know, I think is important to get down here that way, you know, that whenever we're talking about matters that could be considered esoteric, mystical, whatever, no one on Sovereign Tech anyway, is talking about a God because there is no God. You know, no one is talking about any kind of appeals to a Sky Daddy or anything along those lines. And that's really important. And it's something I want to lay out here with the piece that I wrote titled Spiritual Anarchy. Now, I want to be abundantly clear that I am not with the term spiritual anarchy, that's just the title, you know, of a segment of a newsletter. I am not creating some kind of new form of anarchism here. Okay. I am not. So I just want to make sure that's, that's totally clear. But with that clear, let's make some other things clear around the subject of spirituality. And this is from issue five of the Sovereign Technica newsletter. Here we go. Spiritual anarchy. Spiritual anarchy. I'm going to admit some things to you that in most writings filed under a spirituality segment would come off as crass or anathema. Granted, I have a PhD in anathema and am fluent in crass language, so perhaps that's why I'll get away with it, but I just wanted to prepare you. Here we go. I hate praying. I think it's utter madness to either speak aloud or say in your head some far out wishes you have to some non-existent, okay, fine, I'll give you dubious, sky daddy expecting this to do anything whatsoever for you or anyone else other than them looking at you in proper bewilderment of why you'd lay your lifestyle fantasies so bare. To be clear, words do have power when spoken, the correct words that is, and expressing gratitude is a wonderful thing to do, even if it's just to yourself. But when most people think about prayer, it's usually a case of rubbing the genie bottle with your word vomit and hoping your wishes will come true. Pray harder. It might work. Or maybe it'll be like voting because, you know, just vote harder and your favorite too ugly for Hollywood schmuck will win. More wishful thinking. Newsflash. When voting, no matter who wins, the populace loses. While the conversation of how the concept of prayer began is something for another time, let's just say if, to quote Garth Brooks, you should sometimes be thankful for unanswered prayers, that's implicitly saying that prayer is meaningless even if you do believe in a sky daddy. Moving right along. Synagogue slash church slash temple services. The gatherings of wise men, they say. Poppycock. More like the gathering of wise guys passing around the plate and trying to get a free lunch. Sorry, my spirituality feeds me of its own accord and merit. But forget about the plate. Let's talk about the absolute boredom of these services. Unless you enjoy the particular roleplay of a tridentine mass. I mean, it's better than World of Warcraft, I suppose stand up sit down stand up get on your knees sit back down try not to blow ass stand up sing oh hell not the voice of little billy in the back pew it's like scratching plates go shake hands pretend you have things in common with these people beyond your collective belief that somehow you get a reward for going through this sabbath slash sunday charade thanks i'll pass and how about these more liberal religious services give me a break they'll say anything to get people in the door and comfortable while claiming the authority of ancient tradition how can I expect to find any truth in that kind of doublespeak? I'd rather be outside in nature actually engaging in my individual spiritual practice on a day off instead of getting inundated with other distractions in some stuffy building. Note. Put a pin on that practicing outside in nature thing, by the way. We'll get to that in the future. End note. Let's keep going. Look, I love the Tanakh. I mean it. Just the way you can carry it around in such compact, beautiful editions and effectively have the wisdom and history of the ancients that spanned hundreds, if not thousands of years is an amazing thing. But here's the problem. That wisdom and the real history being covered is largely mired in coded language, either on purpose or unawares. The really golden stuff that's not as covered in coded language doesn't come until much later in the compiled text, i.e. the books of Job, Ezekiel, Isaiah, the Song of Songs, and some others. And even the most eager student may never explore these precious texts because everything they read beforehand seems problematic at best on face value. I could go on, but three is enough for the point. And my point is, despite all of my complaining and distaste for the above, all three have something special to them. It's almost ineffable, but even if they're implemented wrong, there is an odd compelling quality to them. Is that quality that it's just all ancient tradition? Maybe. Maybe but I'm going to argue it's something else. A major part of one's expression of spirituality is the act of truth-seeking. But as Pilate famously asked, what is truth? Truth is, by many's theory, what is known as the correspondence theory of truth. This idea states that the truth, or falsity of a statement, is determined only by how it relates to the world and whether it accurately describes, i.e. corresponds with, that world meaning that if you and many others saw a meteor hit the earth you're justified in saying that it occurred that's a simplistic example but it'll do the point is truth is something discovered by crucible of contrast this is where things like prayer religious services and holy books come in they are the collectivist things you contrast your individualist spiritual experience against they are the crucible you hammer out your truth against Much like an anarchist can use the laws, government babble, and civilization surrounding them to practice, clarify, and hone his rebellious craft of existence against, these collectivist institutions are paradoxically both your greatest spiritual fortress, protecting the high notes of spiritual existence down through the ages, and your greatest limiting factor in your spiritual growth. I'm arguing that the specialness you see and feel in acts like prayer, prayer, organized religious practice, and certain revered texts is not the things themselves, but it's your recognizing they are opportunities to subvert the collective that seeks to subsume your spiritual uniqueness. Does this mean throw away the Tanakh? No, but to grow spiritually, you have to engage in subversion against its traditions while still, again, paradoxically, remaining in its fold. This is spiritual anarchy, my friend. I'm reminded of something the Kabbalist Isaac Luria said in the 16th century. Quote, Every word of the Torah has 600 faces, that is, layers of meaning or entrances, one for each of the children of Israel who stood at the foot of Mount Sinai. Each face is turned toward only one of them. They alone can see it and decipher it. Each person has their own unique access to revelation. End quote. Revelation spiritual truth, as it were, can only truly be experienced by the individual. This spiritual anarchism working against the authoritarian collective is, as one author put it, quote, the wish to find the godless God and an outlaw's law and a revelation that could be stolen from the guilt vaults of orthodoxy, broken up and redistributed among the poor in faith, end quote. As I've said many times on Sovereign Tech, if religion were to have a sole purpose, it is to enhance the human experience. Anything that no longer serves that purpose in a tradition is to be cut away and considered a waste. So appreciate and respect the orthodox institutions and traditions that guide you to see your truth. Then subvert them. And that is from issue five of the Sovereign Technica newsletter. Like I said, when I use, especially at the end there, when I use the phrase spiritual anarchism, no one's making a new anarchism here. Not at all. Okay. What is being hammered out, like described in the segment that I wrote, what's being hammered out is just the truth and what usefulness there is in traditions and institutions. And then what to do when you do find that usefulness going forward, which of course comes from subversion. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't need to spend a whole ton of extra time on this, but this is, you know, in, in Judaism, which, of course, uh, I mean, I, I consider myself, I, Dr. Brian Sovereign, consider myself very knowledgeable in many religions. I don't know that any one human could truly know them all because there's so many uh, that I'm sure we haven't even discovered yet or that have come and gone. But with Judaism, um, I mean, one of the, the key tenets of the Talmud is to question everything within that book you know, and and, I mean, just to question it all. So like, and this idea of subverting what's within it, uh, I mean the Talmud in many ways subverts itself, but of course it's an incredibly complex book. But the very first thing that I would defy is, you know, any, any faith, any religion, any spirituality that doesn't allow for intellectual rigor and not just rigor, but at its core, questioning every, you know, every core concept. And if it doesn't allow for that, well, I don't think that has anything to do with spirituality. That just has to do with control, dominance over your own spirit. We'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. I, we've got a, an interesting climax, I think. And, uh, we'll be back with more.
0: Woo! incredible television event ever, as you join the crew of Battlestar Galactica. Right here, you creepy crew. I have led the entire human race to ruin. The last of mankind, fighting for life in a hostile galaxy. Most of us are dead. Alone, with only one hope, Battlestar Galactica and her crew. There is no other destination. Commander Adama, Captain Apollo, the intrepid Starbuck, and the dazzling Athena, searching for a new and peaceful world. May as well live for today. We might not have many left. Let the attack begin. New age of high adventure, Battlestar Galactica. golden stallion doing whatever he wants to do the climax
1: it is time for the climax where i get to talk about whatever the hell i want to talk about now lately admittedly we've talked a lot about movies we have gotten in kind of some you know topics and conversations but even those i feel like had to do with movies a bit so i want to i want to change it up this week And I, I want to get into a topic, uh, that that's kind of talking about a technology or what's kind of a technology that being clothing. Um, you may wonder like, what the hell am I doing talking about clothing? Well, this wouldn't be the first time that I've talked about clothing. In fact, about a decade ago, I remember reading a story by one of my journalistic heroes, that being Mike Elgin, who also was a guest on sovereign tech years ago. I should see about having him on again. Um, But he wrote up an article many, many years ago talking about how our technology has outpaced our clothing. You know, we, we talk a lot on Sovereign Tech about how like mentally humans are not ready for the level of technology that we have. Well, our clothing isn't ready for the level of technology that we have not a new statement for this show. Um, and, and admittedly, like it's a statement made again, inspired by Mike Elgin. Um, but I want to talk about it again, partly because you know, it's October Halloween's coming baby. And you know, I've, I've, I even recently I've, I've had friends who, um, like they'll spend all fucking year getting their costume ready, you know, getting their outfit and whatever ready for Halloween. Um, and I, I know, I mean, I'm aware, I should say, I'm aware of a lot of people like that where they plan all fucking year for Halloween and getting that perfect set of clothing ready, you know, and, and, and all of this. And, you know, I got to admit, it, it makes me ask a question and this isn't my only point that I'm going to get into. I want to get into a few things here, but it makes me, I ask myself the question, like if you're that excited about what you're going to wear on Halloween, why, why not dress like that all the time? Like, I, and you know, again, like I mentioned, yeah, I grew up in a Jewish household. Uh, we didn't do Halloween. Like not that we called it of Satan, right? Because Satan's a bit of a different character in Judaism, actually a very different character. Uh, but Halloween just wasn't, wasn't a part of the program. Right, you know, we we had Purim and and Hanukkah and and you know Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and all that. We did all those, but I mean, fuck, our, our calendars aren't even the same. <laughs> like What are you talking? About? We're we're in the year five thousand <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I didn't really do Halloween that much. Uh, I mean, there were, like there were odd years where it for whatever reason, it would end up happening. And myself, I would usually end up like making my own thing. I didn't always get to, you know, dress as, 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 you know, someone else or something else. Um, but regardless, I'm not necessarily here to talk about me in that sense. Uh, I, I just, I find it strange because it seems for some to be like such an obsession. And I, and I'm, and I'm not saying that disparagingly, I'm just saying that like, okay, if there's a certain way you like to dress, like then why not do that all the time? Now, of course we, you know, many of us have professional lives where there is a code of conduct. Um, there are standards, you know, that you, you kind of have to follow, but then you don't have to do that outside of work. You know, you don't have to follow those codes of conduct unless it's the military. Even then, um, I just, I, I find it a strange thing but also it it's not just that like there's i I feel like there's a general uncomfortability around clothes right now, particularly in the twenty first century um like we're wearing clothes designed in at best like the nineteenth century, maybe early twentieth, but probably the like jeans haven't changed at all, nobody wears pocket watches anymore but you know, we still have the pocket watch pocket in our jeans for some goddamn reason. It's a topic I kind of want to revisit in that, and, and because here, here's what's weird, right? So to some degree, some, uh, uh, like companies like say Wrangler or even Levi's or, you know, more, uh, uh well, companies that design for like NASA or the military, say like MA one, you know, alpha industries and so on. Um, you know, they, they came up with like cargo pants, right. And cargo shorts. And I, I find it so odd that these things are insulted on the regular and are told, Oh, that's ugly. Oh, that's this when it's like, no, that's the only thing you can fucking wear so that you can actually sit down without having to put your, like we talked about earlier, like without having to put down, you know, your smartphone on the table. Um, like we have to carry around so much. It's frankly insane to make fun of clothing that allows us to actually carry these things around with us. Um, I don't know. In fact, I, I have to admit, I, I, I mean, I carry around a traditional wallet. Uh, you know, when you used to have to carry around like quite a bit of cash, I don't know how guys sat down with that on their ass. Like I, and I, and I've seen some pretty thick wallets in my day and, and I, I don't know how that happened, but boy, you have cargo pants and, and everything's fine or better yet. How about this? Let's do middle of the road, shall we? Instead of cargo pants, because, Oh fuck, they're so terrible, right? They're not, I love them, but (laughs) you know, for most of human history. So we're we're talking thousands and thousands of years, you know, what was standard garb on Guy and Gal, a satchel of some kind, some kind of carrying bag on Guy and Gal was wildly, wildly common. The only places it wasn't common would perhaps be and I, even then I would argue is still common, you know, would be in like the cities of like the major cities of Rome or Greece, but even then, I still think that that They were incredibly common, even though you might not see them in, I don't know, whatever book you happen to pick up about ancient Greece or something and the way you see them dress and everything. Those are very stylized representations. You know, if you were looking at everyday, you know, people walking around Athens, they'd probably all be carrying some kind of satchel. Men would be carrying purses, and I'm not kidding. They really would. And they'd put makeup on too. How about that? Um, and that's what I wonder now, the, the idea of the man bag, right. I know that that that's a term for a reason because it's something that's kind of come back. Uh, I mean here, like at the same time, if you've read the sovereign Technica newsletter, now I'm not really arguing for wearing clothing at all, ultimately. Right. Because <laughs> I, I think we're actually inherently like our skin. We're inherent. Many of us anyway, are inherently allergic uh, to clothing, as in, we have an allergic reaction to just the rubbing on our skin. Doesn't matter what the fibers are. Um, also the clothing that frankly, that gets made today is shit anyway, most of the time, um, unless you get from a very like specialty realtor, you know, and, and that's certainly something to talk about, but I would actually argue, I, I think that the, 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 the purse, Merce, satchel, bag, whatever. And it doesn't, and I get it. Like, I don't like having to carry around like a backpack all the time either. Okay. I'm not necessarily arguing for that. And I know we have, and see, this is the problem because I would actually argue for like always carrying, you know, a, a backpack or something, but you get searched, you know, just about anywhere you go. Okay. As to where, if you had something that was slimmer, um, something more akin to a purse, but that could hold you know, your smartphone, uh, maybe a pocket knife, even though that one, you got to be careful where you're taking that into. Right. Uh, but could hold, I don't know, all kinds of things, chapstick, sex lube. Um, it could hold, well, here, here's another thing. Like we should be used to carrying around, not just smartphones, but like, you know, really like solid communication devices, like radios, like right here, I have my, uh, my Baofeng, you know, UV, uh, uh, five R Mark five, love this thing to death. Not very easy to carry around, even on your waist, you know, even though I have like, a, a, a you know, a molly pouch that, that I could put it on, uh, you know, around a belt or whatever, but attach it to something that is akin to a, well, I would argue, you know, a, a, a very, uh, macho purse, uh, you know, kind of looks like a tactical purse of sorts. Um, and, and that works great. And you can have a water bottle right there and everything. My point being in our modern civilization, I feel like in general, we, there's so much that we need to carry around with us and even to be healthy. I mean, fuck, do you want to drink the water from just about anywhere you go? And do you want to constantly be, or do you want to constantly be buying plastic bottles that are just putting a bunch of microplastics all over the place and what are contributing to all kinds of other environmental issues? Um, you know, what, what, what's the best thing to do? I mean, fuck, you can't even drink the rainwater anymore, right? On earth. That's how screwed we fucking are. Okay. So doesn't it make sense to constantly have a water bottle around with you, you know, with water that you are more confident in, um, among other things. Yeah, I think it does, but that requires a change in what is culturally, what I would argue, I guess, would be culturally accepted attire or what culturally promoted, how about that promoted attire? Maybe that's, that's better. Cause I think a lot of people wouldn't mind. And that's the thing I've walked around, like I've had this thing that, and, and if I think of it, I'll put a link in the show notes. Again, I make no money off of this, you know, off of you clicking on these links. So I'm just, we're just talking about practical actionable items, right? Um, if I think of it, I'll put a link in the show notes for this. Um, and you can see what I'm talking about and I love it. Cause it, it again, it has, uh, it has the, you know, the Molly webbing. So, you know, you can, you can attach pouches and whatever else you want to it. It's not that heavy. Uh, it can easily hold the, well, again, we don't have a choice. Now we have to buy giant ass smartphones, right? Like they don't even sell small ones, at least not ones that are updated with the right software. Um, you know, yeah, you could carry around a laptop bag all the time, I suppose. And most people wouldn't mind that either. And you know, that's certainly an option, but this is something I think. That to be able to keep with us the appropriate technology, you know, the technology perhaps that we should be using, uh, or the items or whatever, that it would be a good idea either for, you know, health concerns or just being prepared or whatever to have around with us. Um, yeah, I think getting used to the, the ancient concept of the satchel again is a very good thing. Um, even something like, and and I I might be weird in this, uh, and maybe it just comes from my teenage years, but like I when so I remember going to a science fiction convention. I was like 18 and I got invited, um, to go to another country (laughs) and we'll, we'll just put it that way. I got invited to go to another country, um, with people that I really would have loved to have gone with. And I didn't have my passport with me, you know, to be able to do that. And so I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, well, I can't go like, it's just, it's not going to work. And this is already like after kind of learning my lesson from being stowed away in Canada for a few months. So, <laughs> so I wasn't going to play with fire, uh, you know, at, at that time. And, but after that, oh man, pretty much anytime I was going somewhere. You know, I mean, if I'm going to the store, I guess I'll, who cares, you know, but anytime I was going somewhere, I had my fucking passport with me because I wasn't going to miss an opportunity like that ever again. Um, but you know, a passport is kind of large. I mean, yes, if you're a larger guy, you know, I can get away with wearing a passport wallet at all times if I wanted to now, I suppose. Um, but not everybody can do that. But you know, if you're carrying around your bag, yeah, you can have your passport with you at all times. Some people want to get into like, oh, there's security risks with that. I should be locking up my passport and all that stuff. Nah, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see that. <laughs> like, I, I understand the old arguments around that sort of thing, um, but today with digital ID and you know, anyway, it's a different world as far as that goes. So I, I, I don't really see that as a, as a necessity. But regardless. This all gets to the point that in the modern world we live in, like wearing 19th century, 20th century clothes just isn't cutting it to say nothing of the quality of that shit. Okay. And even if you are, if you, if you were a nudist or a naturist along, you know, of that vein, um, you know, you could totally carry around a bag of some kind, you know, a satchel you know, with, with a shoulder strap, the whole, the whole business, uh, nothing wrong with that. So either way you look at the future or the present, I think getting used to like everybody carrying around, effectively carrying around what we could call a purse is a damn good thing to go forward with. And cause I mean, these companies are not slowing down on the size of these phones. Like now they're folding them. They want you to have such large devices with you at all times. Now they're, you know, doing the galaxy Z fold, right? <laughs> so, so you have this massive beast. Uh, and who knows, it might get to the point where you just carry around a Bluetooth keyboard and, you know, in, in, in the near future. But again, how the fuck are you going to do that in a pair of jeans? So either get used to car, you know, to, to cargo pants or cargo shorts, or like I say, I, I, I think getting used to carrying around a bag. I mean, you know, in my dream world, everybody's carrying around a radio. You, I mean, a, you know walkie talkie. (laughs) Everybody's, everybody's doing that. Uh, I don't know that the world's ever going to be that way, but it'd be fine if it was. And yeah, like, you know, at the same time, you don't always want to be walk around, like looking like you're a policeman or something along those lines. I mean, that, that gets into a whole other conversation too, that, that I could talk about, uh, you know, more utilitarian clothing. Um, I mean, that speaks to the overall, you know, abstract of what we're getting into here. It's just, it's a necessity today. Uh, I, I am baffled, you know, like when I go to, I don't know, any store, any, anywhere where like a clothing store of any kind, or I don't know, a Walmart or something like that. And you see all of these, you know, you see all the, the models, male, female, whatever. Okay. You see all these models and everything. And, you know, they're wearing all of this stylish clothing. And I'm just, you know, you look at it and you go, Yeah. But where did they put their smartphone? (laughs) And, And there's no way they're not walking around without it. Like, you know, these people, they're vain as fuck. That's why they're on a poster in the first place. And it's all, it's, it's such a laugh. It's such a holdover from, you know, a time past. Now, if you've gotten to the point in life where you don't need a smartphone, hey, fucking dynamite, like hats off to you and you don't need a hat. I I would imagine, (laughs) but really hats off to you on living that life. And, you know, maybe you can get away with all all you have in your pocket is a credit card or something. I don't know if if you've done that, that great. Uh, But most people no, they've got a lot of stuff that they probably want to carry around with them. I know a lot of listeners of this show. I know a lot of you are already carrying around your, you know, your mercies, your man bags, whatever the hell you want to call them. Um, You know, and, and you're already on top of that. But I think that that's, that's something, if you're not already doing it, let's push this into the socially acceptable arena, shall we? Uh, I mean, fuck social acceptability. Again, we're all about nonconformity here, but at the same time, like let let's, let's get it in their faces and maybe we can help people out because boy, do I hate it when I see people like fumbling through, you know, and dropping their phone and, and, and all this. And no, no, I mean, really I do like (laughs) You're just watching people set themselves up for aggravation when they just had a nice bag, Boop, everything goes in and out. So anyway, that's, that's kind of the point I wanted to get to. There's more that could be said on this, and I'm sure I'm going to explore it at some point. Um, but clothing is something that really, you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, NFTs are disrupting fashion and all this stuff. Well, I don't want NFTs to disrupt fashion. I, I want like fashion to catch up with where most of us are at, you know, as far as what we carry around with, with us and, you know, what we need to, to just get our shit done. Uh, because by and large, it's not there. And frankly, again, I'll say it, fuck all the people who think that cargo pants and cargo shorts are ugly. And, you know, I, when I see that, when I see people wearing cargo shorts and cargo pants and like, there's actually shit in their pockets and it's not just some kind of like, cause there are also people who have, want to make weird fashion statements for no good reason. Um, I mean, I think they're very practical people and I'm like, well, gee, I might want to get to know this person because you know, they got their shit together in their pockets. Anyway, that's it for this episode of sovereign tech. A lot of, I I hope a lot of actionable things to walk away with. It's not just me yelling and complaining or whatever else, but like, there's actually things you get to go forward and do. How about that so we'll wrap up this episode of software tech episode 495 and i will see all of you next week i will see all of you on the other side Woo!